Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can uh, you can get in on the action on all kinds of things. Major League Baseball, still got the NBA Finals, college football futures, some NFL futures. Whether or not the SEC is going to be con- uh, continue to be a part of college football as we know it, uh, I, I don't know. That that may actually not be on the board for something that you could wager on right now. But there is some speculation about that. Ross Dellinger has been a busy boy. Yesterday yeah. he wrote a story. I mean, it, it's basically two parts to a story that examines NIL and the future of it and the future of the SEC and lobbying efforts in Washington, D.C., et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's probably more to unpack there than we can handle in a week on this show. And frankly, Brian Haydad would find a tall building and jump if we tried to spend a week unpacking NIL and the future of college athletics, not necessarily his cup of tea. A little bit of a tease mixed in there with reminding you that uh, you should check out the sports book at the uh, Golden Moon Casino, part of Pearl River Resort. Visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. The C Spire text line is open, as always, to you, 601-879-4395. Whether you need a wireless solution, best wireless in the state of Mississippi and the southeast, hands down, no debate. Or you need a fiber-to-the-home solution, blazing fast internet, gigabit fiber internet directly into your house. It's like a like a, a beam of lightning just coming straight into your house, but with no damage. It just makes all of your devices go really, really fast. Or if you need business IT solutions, they can help you with that as well. All of that available online at cspire.com. But before we get into any of the super-duper heavy stuff, we got some kickoff times to talk about. First three weeks of the season are set, at least for the games that are going to be on ESPN and all of its uh, places. And I am here to tell you, if you have not 
we might should have a May 31st Festivus Day. Because I kind of feel like there's some airing of grievances that might be coming. Uh, I got a lot of problems with you people. On this final day of the month of May. Let's start. I'm going to drive up to Oxford and see if Richard can pin me to the ground for the feats of strength. Uh, I'd have to kick you first. I'd, I'd have to. I'd, uh, I'd have to do something to get you on the ground, and then like try to pin. Gosh, you. that's it's uh, rough. All right. I mean, I'm just just thinking through it. Yeah. Let's start with Mississippi State. We have five of the twelve games for Mississippi State that have kickoff times, and I'll explain why in just a second. Well, I'll explain why right now. We know the Egg Bowl. How about the breaking news last week, guys? I know you covered it in great detail. Yeah, we detail. talked about that. The breaking news that the Egg Bowl yeah. is going to kick off at 6.30 Central Time on Thanksgiving yeah. night. Wait, Shocker! I trolled uh, Haydad because I started with the Ron Burgundy, I need your attention, uh, that thing where he mm-hmm. jumps in the pool. And yeah. I was like, wait, uh, just huge news that broke today. And Haydad knew we were going to start with the Egg Bowl Thanksgiving thing. And then you can mm-hmm. see his face changing like, did I, did I what's, miss what's something? Going on? Like, I thought I'd miss something. Yeah, and then, no, it's... He got me. Uh, yeah, because apparently we didn't know that you're the like, Egg Bowl was going to be on Thanksgiving night. You're like that punk kid today on Highway 12 who gave me the whole, hey, roll down your window thing, and when I did, he just rolled his back up. I was like, you son of a... Better than a water balloon. Better than a water balloon. I thought of Richard when it happened. I was like, if I get water ballooned here, I'm going to be really mad. Gonna be mad, but boy, will I have a story to tell. <laughs> Borky's next. They're targeting us. So we've got five kickoff times for Mississippi State. Here's why. They they pre-announce the Egg Bowl because they pre-announce specialty games, and that kind of qualifies as a, a specialty game for ESPN. <laughs> um, you Schools are allowed to set and announce the time of their ESPN Plus slash SEC Network Plus game. And because that's not one of Mississippi State's first three of the year, we uh, we got that as kind of a bonus time. And then we got the first three games of the year that are on ESPN's family of networks to start. So let's go reverse order here. We know the Egg Bowl's at 630. The week before that, I'll be honest, I, I, I guess I need to pull up that entire November 18th schedule I'm surprised that this is the streaming game for Mississippi State. Me too. SEC Network Plus, ESPN Plus, Southern Miss in Starkville the weekend before Thanksgiving, an 11 a.m. kickoff for that game, streaming only. I, I, I thought that that would be a linear TV game. I, was I did too. Uh, my my only thought process there is that state wanted to control the time of that game and get it at eleven so they can get it over with and begin the rest and rehabilitation process as quickly as possible to get ready for Thursday's kickoff. You know, you sort of cross your fingers that Ole Miss gets a six thirty seven o'clock kick for ULM. Yeah, I guess the difference this year for Ole Miss is they are at home as opposed to being on the road like they were in Fayetteville with a night kick a year yeah. ago. But that's the weekend yeah. of garbage in the SEC. I'm yeah. surprised the league would not want that game yeah, not that's a better on game streaming. Than some. Because, again, Louisiana Much Monroe and Ole Miss. Uh, Georgia's at Tennessee that weekend, though. Uh, Chattanooga, Alabama. Yeah. Abilene Christian, Texas A&M. I, I can't believe they 
didn't want to assign a mm-hmm. slot for that game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, my, my guess is that outside of the conference games, I don't think this, the conference would allow State to say, hey, we want to play Alabama at six on SEC or Network Plus. But those four non conference games, my guess the, the teams really do have control and they're like, this is what we want. They, they, no. That's what you got to have. No, they, they don't get control on which game. ESPN, through its television deal, decides which game is going to be the streaming game. They may, there may be really? some input, but but the school does not get to decide which of its non-conference games will be the streaming game. But the school does get to decide what the kickoff time is going to be, which is why we perhaps will need some airing of grievances when we get to Ole Miss's schedule in just a moment. All right, so we know the last two of the year for Mississippi State. We know the first three of the year. Bulldogs will open the season Saturday, September 2nd, SEC Network, Southeastern Louisiana, 3 p.m. in Starkville. That'll be warm. Well, Grandma, bring the refrigerator into the living room, and let's get set to sweat. <laughs> uh, for what it's worth, other games on uh, around at or around that time, uh, UMass and Auburn getting the ESPN treatment at 2.30. Uh, help me out with that one. You freeze. Yeah. And no, you freeze. Got a story. Back in the conference. But got a story simple line. as that. He moves the needle that much <laughs> in week one that. to get ESPN at 2.30? Yes. 2:30? yes. A- ES- I, I, now, I got to where coming from. Hold, hold on. In the, the ESPN framework, ESPN does not place a ton of value on that 2.30, 3 o'clock window uh, on ESPN. Okay. They place a ton of value on 11 a.m. They place a ton of value on their primetime and their late-night kit games. But that's been kind of an idle window. That's been the spot that CBS has always placed the premium on. The SEC places a premium on, but that's not necessarily ESPN's biggest window. Boise State, Washington on ABC at 2.30. That one's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bunch funny. of garbage. Western Carolina, Arkansas in the SEC. Uh, that's it so far in terms of games that have been uh, decided that are noteworthy at that time. Week 2 also in Starkville. The Arizona Wildcats making the return trip. I mean, this is just like a relatively early game, considering when it kicked a year ago uh, out on the uh, in, in the southwestern portion of the United States. Six thirty, SEC Network. That's going to be your, uh, your your Tom Hart, Jordan Rogers, Cole Kubelik game in Week Two in Starkville. It's a night game in Week Two. See That's good friends. stuff. It is, but again, I'm kind of surprised. I thought State would have tried to push that game to be in the afternoon to really sweat uh, Arizona out of there. They're coming from a place where it's 112. You and I know. You know Wait, it's uh, different. We, going dry you know heat? That it, we are going dry oh, heat. You know that August and September humidity is not what they get out in Arizona. You know it. You think you're sweating on a team that that's going to do fall camp in Tucson? Yeah. That's it's hot indoors the whole time. Uh, Brother, it is hot. Indoors the whole time. Other Tucson, game Arizona. on that time, by the way, do you guys know the other game that, that is during that time? Uh, I believe that would be the Alabama, Alabama Tide and the Texas Longhorns. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Dad, well, you know, just, I, I, I heard what you said just a second ago. You said, I feel like State would push for that. Get. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm getting through to you. There's no push that schools have. ESPN is writing a what? What? Yeah, however, still, how big is the check? 
60? Still. This is plenty so, of so games. So 60 million times 14. You can help some schools out. You can give some nah. people something they want. Nah. That's not how that works. Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. So we almost made it through all five kickoff times that we have, one of which we already knew. One more. September 16th. Those LSU fighting Tigers making their way to Starkville for an ESPN game. We know, again, ESPN places a large value on this time slot. And rightfully so, they rate really well. If you Mm -hmm. want eyeballs on Mississippi State football, if that's what you care about, you're going to get them. Coming out of college game day, a stripe-out Saturday in Starkville, alternating maroon and white stripes at Davis Wade Stadium, 11 a.m. for the Bayou Bengals and the Bulldogs from Mississippi State. Stripe out is such a waste of time. Never works. They should white out LSU and wear white and make LSU wear purple at 11 a.m. That's the way you should go. But they won't do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the thing that sucks. It's like you spend the whole office, you're like, oh, man, that LSU game should be awesome. They should be 2-0, and and then you look at it, it's like, it's 11 a.m. You're just like, it just takes the air, some of the air out of the balloon for you. Yeah. So We talked about but it, it during it other is. teams, hey, Dad, that that game yeah. would or, or could have been, it might still be, but was setting up to be the first real, true, every butt in seat sellout in years. And now it may yeah. not be because of kickoff time. Yeah, it's possible. You you may you, you guys are gonna go come on, Richard. True or false? The crowd for the Arizona game in week two with a six thirty kickoff will be larger than the crowd for LSU in week three with an eleven thirty AM no. kickoff. Hold on. Okay, think about it. No, think about no it. way. No chance. No chance. LSU will bring more people than Arizona. No, they don't. LSU fans anything. don't travel to Starkville. They don't. Yes, they do. They, they do. do not. They didn't two years. They didn't two years ago because they were terrible. But in 2019, there were a ton of LSU fans there. In 2017, a ton of LSU fans there. Mm, okay, I'll take your word for it. I don't think there's I a agree lot of LSU. But... When you talk about travel, there are a ton of LSU fans in this state who can't get to Tiger Stadium weekly, but they can make that trip to Starkville to see their Tigers every two years. Then they do. I understand that. I, I Okay. All right, so those are your five kickoff times that we have for Mississippi State. We have four so far for Ole Miss, and I guess it'll stay that way until we get to about week two of the season. So, Egg Bowl, we know, on the road in Starkville, 6.30, Thanksgiving night. Um, I mean, let's just start with the opener. Yeah. Ole Miss's ESPN Plus SEC Network Plus game is the season opener against Mercer, the Mercer Bears, with a kickoff time of 1 p.m. inside Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. This was the reason that I said we probably needed the whole airing of grievances thing. 
Because my guess is Ole Miss fans have got plenty of grievance about this. Because here's the deal. This is not new news. When, when, when it was announced two or three years ago, three or four years ago, whatever it was, that every team in the SEC would have one streaming game per year as they continue to try and build up the online habits and the subscriber base and all those things, the caveat there was the, the home team would get to decide the kickoff time. When you have a game late in the year, like Mississippi State against Southern Miss, you're generally going to pick an earlier kickoff time. 11, 1, something like that. Daylight gives people time to get in and get out same day, gives you time to get ready for the next week's game, all of those things. When you have the option to choose the time that you kick off the opening weekend of the season and you choose 1 p.m., your fans are left scratching their heads. That and that's does. the nicest thing, nicest way to say it. So a couple of questions. Number one, this game being at 1 o'clock instead of 6 o'clock costs Ole Miss how many butts in seats? Thousands. Thousands. 10,000? Maybe even more. I, I've, I'm in a couple group messages, one of which has a dozen Ole Miss alums in it. And all the group messages is talking about Ole Miss sports. It, it, it's like the exclusive conversation. Every single one of them. These are guys that don't miss games. They've got families, they bring them. They don't miss games. Every single one of them not only is mad, I'm not going. I'm not driving up from Jackson, which is where most of them live, to sit and watch the team play Mercer on September 2nd at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. They're not doing it. These are your these are diehards, and it's anecdotal, but these are diehards that are like, you know, I'm good, not going, and I believe them. They'll watch it with me. So, Vaughn Hemingway seats 65,000, give or take. Was it 64, 38, or whatever? Yeah, whatever, whatever. Give or take 65,000. Over... Or under forty-five thousand. Under. Hey, Dad. Yeah, it sounds right. They'll I mean, report just, a number higher. It's just too hot, man. Oh, over or under forty thousand. You think that's about over. the that's about the right number in terms of actual people in the stadium? Forty thousand so. because the student yeah. section will be full for ten game minutes. No, it won't. They might, but they'll clear out very, very shortly after. Mike is right on the text line. This is, I've talked to a bunch of people today about this. It is a gigantic middle finger to the fans. That's what it is. It, that's exclusively what it is. It is a gigantic four-letter word you to the fans. These are people that pay ridiculous amounts of money to buy the tickets to go to these games. And as we talk about all the time, even though the Mercer weekend's not the LSU weekend, if you don't live in Oxford, it's expensive to get to Oxford. you got to fill up your car with gas, which is getting cheaper, but it's still not cheap. you got to pay to park unless you get there super early to get one of the free lots. It's an expensive day. It's a hard day, especially if you've got a family. If you've got a wife and two kids, adds up quick even for the Mercer game. Sure it does. Yeah, sure it does. And um, it would be worth it, more worth it, if you weren't baking 
in the 2 o'clock in the second quarter of a pathetic football game in the Mississippi September sun, which is just devastating and brutal if you're sitting out there in it. It would be more expensive for most people if the game was at 6 o'clock because now you're talking about spending an extra night or or whatever. Or just late-night drive, which is awfully inconvenient. Whatever. So... I don't know that. I, look, I'm I'm doing some deductive reasoning here, some educated speculating here. Keith Carter wants people in the stadium. Keith Carter's a smart enough guy to know that the crowd would be larger for a 6 p.m. kickoff than for a 1 p.m. kickoff for the season opener. Keith Carter knows that with more people in the stands, especially on a hot day, more concessions are sold. It, it, like, like they're just all the reasons that you prefer a night game, especially on the first week of the season. So the deductive reasoning piece here is Keith Carter didn't make this decision. I mean, ultimately he made the decision or had to sign off on the decision because he's the AD. I don't think Glenn Boyce, the chancellor of the university, is getting involved with what time you kick off the game. I just I don't think that's something that he's going to concern himself with. His his presidential skybox is going to be the same temperature with the air condition going, whether it kicks off at one o'clock or six o'clock. He's going to that that would be micromanaging to the nth degree. That wouldn't make any sense. I don't think the marketing department gets to pick the time of the games. I mean, as much as they would love to, and you know what? If the marketing department did get to pick the time of the game, you know what they pick? They'd pick a night game because, one, the atmosphere is better at night. Two, you would actually get to use those flashing lights in the fourth quarter of the game. And three, there'll be more people there. And when there are more people there, you have a better atmosphere. And when the atmosphere is better, it looks better for the marketing people. I know where you're going. Say it. So who does that leave? Who else has the authority to choose a game time? The one that complains about the fans the most. So Lane Kiffin Breaking news. Lane Kiffin hates Ole Miss fans. Lane Kiffin sent a tweet. has summarily forfeited his right to say anything about the size of the crowd for the season opener against Mercer. Agreed. Now, again, I don't know any of this. That's deductive reasoning. That's 2 plus 2 usually equals 4. That's connecting the dots. That's just kind of using my brain a little bit. But I can give you a bunch of reasons why Keith Carter or the marketing department would want to play the game at night. I feel confident saying that the chancellor doesn't really care and isn't really going to get involved in that decision. I don't know who else would have the authority, so that tells me the head football coach wanted to play the game at one. So, tell me you don't care about the fans without telling me you don't care about the fans. 1 o'clock, season opener, ESPN+. Plus. Mercer. Let's ask a question when we come back. Let's try and be let's try and be level-headed about this. Why? What possible reason could Lane Kiffin want to play this game at one o'clock? We'll be back. Opening in Mississippi sports. You'll hear about it first, right here. Sports Talk Mississippi.
Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. So I asked the question before the break, what possible reason could Lane Kiffin have if indeed he is the person behind the decision to play this game at 1 o'clock, the season opener against Mercer, I don't know. I should. We should go back real quick and give you the others. Then we'll go back to this topic. Week two, Ole Miss at Tulane, two thirty, ESPN two. That's another one. Woo. New Orleans at two thirty. <laughs> it's on the road. <laughs> I you have, have, hey, no hey, say so. That, no say, and, and that's a real yeah. network game, uh, of course. So you know, but whew, if you are going down there, uh. um, mix in a water with whatever drink you're having uh, with brunch. Because, whew. Pull the Ron Swanson. Are you getting fluids? Yes, plenty. It, <laughs> Just pouring the bourbon. Put a little ice good. in there. It'll be fine. What are the announcing crew for that game? It'll be 2.30. Is that like the Mark Jones RG3 game? I don't know. Might be. They said, they say, hey, it's ABC? Well, it's ESPN 2. Ah, it could be. Yeah, we'll see. Whatever. Could be. Yeah. And then week three, uh, there's it's your home game. That's what it's going to be. Yeah, week three, Saturday, September 16th, 6.30 kickoff, SEC Network, Ole Miss, Georgia Tech. Barring a... And if you're a state fan wondering, I was say, if you're a state fan wondering there, like, how is Ole Miss, Georgia Tech at 6.30, but State LSU, the 11 a.m. game is picked before the 6.30 game is. So. Yeah, that's the SEC Network game. That's like right. the... Fifth pick or something. The fifth pick, yeah, something like that. Kind of throw that one away. But um, barring a slip-up at Tulane, that should be a pretty massive crowd and big day. I know it's Georgia Tech, but still. Yeah, that'll, that'll be a fun weekend. I mean, you, you would, might be a little less hot. I mean, who knows? I mean, the but sun remember, will at I, least I, be going down at that point. At least shortly yeah, thereafter. Yeah, shortly thereafter. Uh, Shaq Bully says, why don't you ask Lane yourself, or are you scared? If you're scared, say you're scared. Yeah, when uh, when we visit with Lane Kiffin at SEC Media Days in July, I'll ask him, hey, what's up with uh, playing at 1 o'clock in the season opener? I'll do that. Happy to. And I'll probably phrase it just like that. Why on earth would you play at one o'clock? Just just throw it in, you jerk. Just throw it in. Yeah. Uh, is that two lane game in the dome? If not, fans will either be dying of heat or drowning in a flood. No in between down there. That's from Jason. Uh, no, it is on <laughs> it campus is not. at Yulman Stadium, thirty thousand seat Yulman Stadium. <laughs> I know uh, one guy that bought a season ticket because if you look at the secondary market, tickets for that game are going to be expensive. But he bought, They're not as bad as I thought they were going to be. But he did buy a, a two-lane, for he and his wife, uh, $77 each for season tickets. And they're going to go to that game and just sell the rest. Well, they might not sell Good the deal. rest. Uh, you know, for whatever they can get. But you know, that he, fi- he he's like, hey, 77 is what I would pay for just the one game, so I might as well see if I can make 10 bucks here or there for the rest of the season. Think about it. If you had done that last year, it would have paid off because if you were a season ticket holder, you would have had the first option to buy tickets for the conference championship game. 
Or really, and most the of the conference Bowl. championship game. And the Cotton Bowl, yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's big enough stadium. You're probably not going to make any money. But a 30,000-seat stadium for your conference championship game at your place, you make some money on those tickets. Yeah. It would, that would have been a, a, a good investment. I hope Willie Fritz pulls it off again. Uh, yeah. Do you? I kind of hope he doesn't pull it off at least in week two. It's just me, though. Uh, let's see here. We've gotten this message a couple of times. Lane wants to get his players acclimated to the heat before Tulane. Then what is practice for? What is training camp for? I, I mean, you're telling me that you, the, the rationale, if that is in fact true, you're telling me that in order to play well at Tulane, you must play Mercer at 1 o'clock. Otherwise, oh, you might give yourself a disadvantage. Then what is the four weeks of training camp for? And if you can't beat Tulane because you played Mercer at 6.30 instead of 1, you're going to win a single SEC game this year? You get Vanderbilt at home, so maybe, but they're going to be better. Beat Florida last year. I mean, is that Might really, be hot. Hey, what are we talking about here? Is that is that really worth the giant middle finger to your fans? Is that really worth that? No, it's not. It shouldn't be, anyway. Yeah. Doesn't uh, doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. I, and look, I I mean, maybe his rationale is is different. Twenty twenty three two lane football season tickets. Still trying to find a there they are find tickets. What's the price on these things? Just go to their website right now. Purchase by price. Get in the door for seventy-seven bucks for the season. Yeah, wow. Up to five hundred dollars, depending on where you are. Okay. You're just sitting in the hullabaloo club, you know. Yeah. I don't know if it's called that. I'm just making an assumption. I love their hullabaloo cheer. It's cool. <laughs> the Moeldy War Club, uh, more club level. Yeah, I mean. Are you are you are you trying to buy four extra hours of preparation? That doesn't make sense. I mean, Georgia's got an ESPN Plus game in Week One that they're playing at five o'clock Eastern time, Eastern time, and then they play at eleven the next week. And just, I mean, I don't know, man. These are a bunch of eighteen to twenty-two year old guys out there. They're fine. They 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 get enough recuperation. Yeah. You know, especially week one to week two. It's not like this is the end of the season where you're trying to, like, squeeze every second out of it. Dude, I remember the first high school football game my senior year. It mattered less the two years before because I didn't actually get to play, or at least very sparingly. But our first game my senior year, it was like a 7 or a 7.30 kickoff. I've never sweat in my life the way I sweat that day, that night. Hot, humid, thick. You know, you go out for pregame warm-ups, and the sun's still blazing, so you're drenched, and then it's just thick and humid for the, the rest of the day. So, yeah, but, but the, the point I'm making is there's no difference in the heat between, I mean, there's a little bit of a difference in the heat between 7 o'clock and yeah. 1 o'clock, but not a lot. My senior year, we played a triple header. It was us, and then they, Vicksburg, and then Warren Central. 
and for some reason they made the team that had the fewest players and had most of the guys playing both ways go first. Mm. So a 3 o'clock kickoff the first weekend of August, or the last week in August, wearing a purple jersey, I remember it, it was 102 on the field. And it was hot, but and I and Brian trying to be cool had gone and bought one of those visors that you couldn't see. You couldn't see in my helmet. I was dying in there, man. I couldn't. I, mean, I only had half the breathing space. It was awful. Not, not a lot of Took breathability. It ne- my mom got really mad at me. She's like, "Why'd you?" Th-? I was like, "I'll never wear that again. What a waste of time." Now you got to one of those November games, and you wish you still had it. Maybe. No, nah, the November just get through it, man. Geez, it's so cold. Yeah. Yeah. So here we go. I mean, this is what the message Lane wants his players to get acclimated to the heat before Tulane. Yeah, that's what I, I read earlier. I just, yeah. uh, I just, I just, no. No. Buddy in Iberville said maybe it's homecoming that day, and that's why he wants to play the game at one. I mean, that'd be something to have homecoming in week one of the season. It'd be kind of hard to have your homecoming elections like during the first week of classes. Yeah. Uh, back to what you said earlier, though. You're exactly right. If he doesn't make a single comment about the fans and their attendance after the game, then whatever, man. I, I mean, you made it a little bit harder on your school to pay your $9 million salary, but okay. But if after the game, he says something like he did after the Tulsa game last year, it's not going to go the same as it did last year, where people largely ignored it, or it's kind of like, ah, whatever. Okay, Lane. Or even some people are like, oh, he's just trying to hold us accountable. That It's not going to go that way this time. If you say one negative thing about fan attendance after this, then I don't know what fans can do, but it will not be received the same as it was a year ago. Yeah, Not anywhere close. Reese says, I think Reese playing says, a game I- when field temps are 110 is horrible for the player's health. Reese, everything about the sport of football is horrible for the player's health. Yeah, but There's nothing beneficial about your health. Oh, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I'll never be the person that says we should stop playing it. But I'm not going to act like it's not the gladiators and the lions out there. Yeah. But you know what? For those of us that love it, we'll uh, we'll show up and, you know, you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll wear shorts and you'll wear a light-colored shirt mm-hmm. and... You'll hydrate in advance and during and uh, do the best you can. You know, just be outside most of the summer leading up to that, and it won't feel any different. Sports Talk Mississippi, (laughs) streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll be right back. Talk Mississippi. Your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thank you for being with us. You want to be a part of the conversation? Ceasefire text line is open at 
4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. And just a uh, just a quick perusal of the uh, the week one overall college football schedule. The uh, the games that might kind of grab your attention. Some of these we've talked about. Hawaii and Vandy is playing on that that week zero. And Navy Notre got, Dame. Navy Notre Dame in Dublin. Southern Cal against San Jose State in week zero. So there, you know, a couple of games worth watching there. Hey, the get in the door price for Navy Notre Dame is five hundred seventy four dollars. I heard, I heard, I think it was Mike Golick Jr. was saying that Notre Dame was expecting between thirty and 40,000 fans in Dublin. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really I think, cool. We talked about that once. I think most schools, if given that game, would take a large crowd because that's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of deal. You know, you and maybe he's just going to load up a couple years. of air force or a couple of aircraft carriers. <laughs> it's like Thirty thousand, we can we can double there you that. Go. All active duty seamen. We're bringing the entire Atlantic fleet. Let's go, sailors. Yes, yes. Maybe something to that. Uh, all right, so you get to that uh, first Saturday. Ball State, Kentucky's SEC Network, Virginia, Tennessee's on ABC at eleven o'clock in Nashville. That, by the way, will be Virginia's. You remember Virginia canceled its last two games of the year after they had the uh, the three players that were, yeah. were killed. Yeah. Um. UMass Auburn at two thirty on ESPN. Boy, uh, Bork, you mentioned that one earlier. Western Carolina, Arkansas is at three on ESPN Plus. Anything. So Arkansas didn't really do its fans any any favors either no. with that first weekend kickoff. New Mexico and Texas A and M at six on ESPN. Okay. SEC Network's got Middle Tennessee and Alabama at six thirty. Here's the game to watch Saturday night: North Carolina, South Carolina, six thirty, opening oh, yeah. weekend Fun in game. Charlotte at Bank of America Stadium. That's good stuff. Potential number one pick versus former potential number one pick. Yeah, that will be a lot of people's first real look at Drake May. Yeah. And, you know, the the diehard college football fan knows him and has watched him, but a lot of people I know anyway weren't familiar with him until there was that please enter the portal, go to Alabama for $5 million thing. And then everybody, at least around me, was like, wait, Michael, is he that good? And I said, yeah, he's that good. And he's good. And so a lot of people are going to get their first look at probably the number two overall pick in the draft. You get to fall asleep you know, hope Saturday night. Go ahead. I said, I hope I'm not ruining one of your things where you've got it planned for later. You just have to forgive me. But I feel like the big news of the day in college football was they changed a bowl name today. That was the news that grabbed me. And it was one of the best bowl names. The Cheez It Bowl. No longer the Cheez It Bowl. Mm. But they didn't they didn't screw us and name it after an insurance company or a you know software provider. It's now the Pop Tarts Bowl. I feel like they improved it. Can we get a cooler full of mini Pop Tarts to to dump on the coach? I want to like see the that. Mini Pop Tarts. I don't like them. I I am a traditionalist, but uh I feel like it's more, you know, big Pop-Tarts would probably hurt coming out of that cooler. Corner of the eye, corner might catch in the eye and 
be dangerous. Yeah, I'd, I'd roll the dice on that. What what flavor pop tart would you put in the cooler? You got to go with the OG frosted strawberry. Brown sugar, brown sugar cinnamon is not the OG. No, I don't think so. Frosted strawberry is. Okay. Wait, Coastal really? Carol- that was the first one. He doesn't. I don't know if it's the first one or not. That that's that's the best one. That's the that's the number one. Frosted strawberry. I think I like the blueberry frosted better. But I'm a I'm a frosted brown sugar I, and cinnamon guy is my my go to. We got both in my cabinet. If you ever in my house, you have your choice of pop tarts. It's good to know. You know and they're actual pop tarts. None to? of that. None of that great value stuff in Brian Haydad's house. No, no, you can't. You, you no. For the 17th time, I will try to say this. You know what you get to fall asleep to on that opening Saturday night of the season? Coastal Tell Carolina us. at UCLA. The Rose Bowl under the lights on opening weekend. You can get behind that. It's a good way to finish. Yeah. LSU Florida State's on Sunday night. Clemson Duke is on Monday night. So that's your opening weekend of the college football season. Week two is going to be fun. Then it gets really rolling with uh, conference games and lots of other stuff as well. We are scheduled to visit with Kendall Rogers to start the next hour of the show, the 4 o'clock hour on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll be back right after this. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome again to Sports Talk Mississippi. Four o'clock hour on this Wednesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, thank you for being with us. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line for the first time today. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Mississippi Farm Bureau, Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball joins us right now. And Kendall, we got a lot of baseball stuff to get to, but I gotta I gotta ask you a question. Who's in charge of planning? when you are moving from one house to another the week leading into college baseball regionals? Uh, it, was a, it was a co-effort. I'll just leave it at that. I mean, are, are, <laughs> is this like the Jefferson style? We move it on up to the east side? I guess you could say that. Well, congratulations, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it should, be, it should be interesting. It's kind of... You know, this will be it'll be nice to sit down and, and watch some baseball on Friday as we get to postseason start. I wish all three Mississippi schools were in this thing, but uh, I guess beggars can't be choosers. Wait, did that not happen this year? Uh, I guess not. We 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 missed the memo. Um, let's let's start with Southern Miss. They were sure. hanging right there on the edge. John Cohen said he thought they were maybe one win away. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't know if that's one win at any point throughout the course of the season. I don't know if it's one more conference win. I don't know if it's maybe one less loss in the conference tournament. It feels like they did everything they could do, and the yeah. resume just wasn't quite there. I mean, is that how you you sort it out when it's all said and done? Yeah, I think the biggest thing when I look at this committee is I think they pretty much went right off of RPI. And if you looked at Southern Miss's RPI, I think it was either twenty one or twenty two on selection day. Uh, I just think the committee went with, with teams with higher RPI. So 
I think it's as simple as that. I mean, I would say this. I think if you look at Southern Miss, I mean, obviously I look at Alabama as a team that certainly should have hosted ahead of Southern Miss. But, I mean, if you're a USM fan and you look at Indiana State, uh, you know, 2-9 and nine against top 50, uh, top 100 record wasn't much better. Uh, but they had a higher RPI because of who they scheduled in non-conference. Uh, you know, I have a little bit of bone to pick if I'm a USM fan with, with those guys hosting. So, you know, the, the biggest thing when I look at this committee this year is it just feels like they pretty much just went right off the RPI. And what's really annoying is I feel like every single year the committee chairman, and, you know, and I'm not just banging on John Cohen, I'm banging on all these people. Like every single year it's, hey, uh, we're not going to rely so much on RPI. And every year it's we rely so much on RPI. So, you know, we, at this point, like we've kind of thought as a, as a group, uh, as a company that we're like, hey, we're going to actually kind of put our brains together in the off season and actually come up with a formula that we feel, uh, is the most, you know, is the most fair formula for all of college baseball, not just the South, not just the West, not just the North, but everybody. So that, that's kind of our off season project we're going to do as a, as an entire staff. And we got a couple of stats and analytics people that are going to work with us on it. So we'll see what we can come up with. Well, that's great news, and I wanted to ask you about that, but well, I'll come back to Southern Miss in just a second, but I'm really curious because we were talking about this yesterday. You know, heard you say it, heard Kyle Peterson say it on the on the selection show, if the RPI is broken, then fix it, and fix it now. And obviously Kyle's in, involved with you guys. If the selection committee says it's broken, so what, what do you do to fix it, though? Because... I don't know if there's a formula that's going to hurt an SEC team, right? I mean, you're trying to come up with a formula that benefits smaller schools and benefits schools who are geographically at maybe a disadvantage. But it is clear that the SEC was the best conference this year, maybe by a pretty yeah. significant margin. So what are we trying to do here? Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is, you know, I kind of go back to my column I did with Pete Hughes from Kansas State is, you know, he made the whole point that, well, we need to be able to drop the four or five bottom RPI games because if you're in the north, you're in the Midwest like Kansas, we got to play bad RPI teams. The problem with that is, and I, you know, I kind of explained this to him, and he didn't really disagree. He just said, hey, like, yeah, I'm still okay with it, even though, like, you make a good point, is if you drop the bottom four or five RPI teams, well, you know, I kind of made the example of, like, Mississippi State Ole Miss. Like, if, if they drop – you know, let's say Mississippi Valley, the one time they played them a year, and then they drop Grambling, and then they drop Arkansas State. Well, guess what happens? Like, the SEC teams are all dropping their five worst RPI teams. So guess what? Their RPIs are going to be even better. So, I mean, I think it would incrementally help the Kansas State and the, you know, the Oregon State of the world. But I don't think it's a magic pill. I think the SEC teams aren't going to change. And the fact of the matter is, uh, I mean, here, here, here's, like, the facts, is the SEC is just a way better league. I mean, you you can do all the finagling you want, but at the end of the day, the SEC is by far the best baseball league in college baseball, and there's nothing that's going to change that. If, any, if anything, the gap is going to widen. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know that there's a magic bullet on this, so I, I certainly will uh, look forward to what you guys come up with and, and see if it's something that, uh, that gains some traction in the college baseball world. Yeah, I mean, we're taking it. We're taking it pretty seriously. I mean, we're going to sit down and have some meetings, one probably in Omaha, and actually kind of discuss. Hey, kind of go around the table and like, hey, what would you change? What would you change? What would you change? And then kind of get with our analytics people and see what we can come up with. See, see if we can come up with a formula that, you know, that I thought Mike Rooney made a great point on ESPN on the selection show, where you had UC Santa Barbara 
who had very similar metrics, but all of a sudden, like, their RPI was 30 spots off of NC State. That tells me there's a little bit of a broken system, and it's, you know, maybe since NCAA is not going to do it, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's our job on behalf of college baseball to kind of figure it out. Let let me ask you one question here and and tell me, and again, I'm not smart enough to know if the math works on this. Could Could you allow for a team's RPI when you play them to be the number that stands? So in the case of, of UC Santa Barbara or UC Irvine, uh, who had good wins against the Pac-12, but Pac-12 teams stumbled down the stretch and they fell out of the top 50, so those are no longer top 50 wins. Could it be based on what the RPI was of the team when you played them? I kind of like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that down, actually. Uh, I like that because you know you bring up a great one, a great example in UC Irvine. I mean, UC Irvine is a team that at one point, like maybe two weeks ago, they were 8-1 against the top 50. And because Arizona State, and I can't remember the other team, maybe it was Fullerton, both of those teams dropped out of the top 50, and all of a sudden their record went to 0-1. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, I, I just don't believe that in a one-week span what uh, some other team did that you played two and a half months ago should knock you out of the postseason. And, yeah. and honestly, like, I was disappointed that, that John – Made that made that as like the reason why they didn't get in because he knows dang well that their RPI, their top fifty RPI was eight and one a week ago. So sure. um, it's just a little that, that's the best example imaginable of UC Irvine. Uh, I, I like that. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if you like can stop gap like the RPI every single week like that. If, if you can, I think it's a great idea. Well, and I almost would lean in the direction of you, you can't be hurt by a team having their RPI fall. But you can be helped by a team that you beat who goes on to have a good year. If their RPI climbs, you get the advantage of that, but you don't take a disadvantage for a team that falls. That, that's just kind of thinking out loud, though. So, Yeah, I mean, and that kind of goes in the intent to schedule metric, too. Like That's one thing John mentioned. Is he, was, he said he would like to see the RPI, RPI take into account intent to schedule, not just strength to schedule, but like if you're Mississippi State and you schedule – like this year, you schedule, if you schedule Arizona State and then you schedule Texas and those two schools stink this year, well, like that shouldn't you know, like that shouldn't hurt you. Like your intent to schedule is very good. But again, if you do intent to schedule, then you're also throwing in the whole human element. We know what happens when that you know we we get involved in that. So going back to Southern Miss, what about their draw going to the to the Auburn region uh, regional as a two yeah. seed? Give, give me give me a likelihood that Southern Miss advances to a super regional. Well, I've got them advancing. Uh, that makes USM fans feel better. I, I will say this about Southern Miss: what I really, really like about this team is they they've been in this spot before. Uh, you know, they won a regional. They and they had to beat one of the most story programs in college baseball history to win a regional. I think that regional kind of exhausted them because I think you kind of saw it against Ole Miss. I mean, Ole Miss obviously put great that next week and certainly the ensuing two weeks. But, you know, they just looked out of gas against Ole Miss. And so I think this year they kind of learned some of the lessons from that regional when they had to beat LSU. Uh, and so, I, I, you know, this time of year I look at teams that are older, teams that have experience in the situation, teams that, you know, have guys that have, have had a ton of bats. And when I look at Southern Miss, you know, Danny Lynch, I mean, most deceiving batting average in college baseball, they can hit 250. But it's like every single time they need a big hit, he gets it. I yep. played Wilkes had a big year, you know Tanner Hall. Um, yeah, I just think they have. I think they have a lot of really solid, experienced frontline guys. And I think they're dangerous. But you know Auburn is the other team for me 
that I think it's going to come down to those two teams. I give the edge of Southern Miss. But, you know, Auburn, the big key for them is they're obviously very offensive, but they've actually pitched really well the last three, you know, last two or three weeks for the most part. Like Tommy Vell's been pretty solid. Uh, Chase also a couple of weeks ago gave them a really good start. So I, I really like the positioning of both of those teams. It should be a fun regional. You got time to hang for one more today? Sure, man. Okay, good deal. I, I will ask you this 30 seconds before the break. Would you hold Tanner Hall for game two potentially against Auburn, or would you pitch him in game one against Sanford? Uh, I would not hold him. Not not when you look at uh, you know his matchup on the mound. I'm trying to remember. I think Shavers, I think is the last name. Uh, you know, he's had great numbers this year, and you just can't risk that. Tony David's got a good club. Yeah, he does, and, and they play really, really hard. All right, we've got more with Kendall Rogers coming up after this. You can follow him on Twitter, Kendall Rogers at D1Baseball.com. That is the place to be this weekend as regional play begins. We'll be right back. More with Kendall Rogers on the Farm Bureau guest line after this. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Visiting with Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball on the Farm Bureau guest line, continuing that conversation right now. Kendall, we appreciate your time as always. It's been fun throughout the uh, the course of the year. You uh, you've made a lot of time for us, and uh, means a lot to us. So uh, thanks for uh, for doing that throughout the year. You got it, man. So let, let's just kind of zip through the the regionals and and give me who you think the most likely winner is in each. We we talked about the Auburn regional. You said you've got Southern Miss advancing out of that one. What about Baton Rouge? Uh, any question that LSU emerges in Baton Rouge? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel pretty good about LSU. I mean, obviously, keeping out in Sam and Oregon State, both those teams can really hit. But, uh, you know, I think LSU, looking back at, at the SEC tournament, I really like the way that, you know, Ty Floyd pitching against a and I think that kind of gives them a little bit of momentum on the mound going into to regional. So I like LSU. Charlottesville, Virginia, East Carolina, Oklahoma, and Army. I lean Virginia. Uh, East Carolina is really dangerous for me. Again, I kind of look at teams like Southern Miss and East Carolina kind of fit that same mold, a team that, you know, last year was, you know, left on the field in the Super Regional. Uh, ECU is dangerous, but, but I do lean chalk here on Virginia. Virginia's played really well the last three or four weeks. Maybe nobody in America hotter than Clemson. They've won 16 in a row. They get Tennessee as a two-seed, Charlotte as a three, and Lipscomb as a four. Charlotte's got a guy that can really swing it. I don't remember his name. Kid had six home runs. Yeah, Cam Fisher. Yeah, big time. He leads the nation in home runs with 30 jacks. It's a pretty good year at the plate. Yeah, Um, decent year. I actually have Tennessee coming out of the same. Uh, You know, the thing about Clemson that scares me is they've won 16 straight games. Uh, how about we mix in a loss somewhere? You know, I just I just wonder when a team's won that many games goes to the postseason. Uh, that that scares me a little. If I'm Eric Backett, so I like Tennessee. Columbia, South Carolina, South Carolina, the one, Campbell, the two, NC State back in the tournament, the three, and Central Connecticut State, uh, state sneaky good program at number four. I'm actually going to go with South Carolina. I, I know they're still a little deemed up on the mound. This is a team that, that nobody around the, you know, nobody in the country, for the most part, outside of Gamecocks fans, think should be hosting. Uh, I think they're going to come out fired up because of that. They're going to have something to prove, which I think with an SEC team like that is very dangerous. 
So I'm going to go with the Gamecocks, but that's going to be a great reason. You know, Campbell thought they should have hosted NC State, you know, even though they barely got in. They've got a lot of firepower offensively, but I, I, I think I lean South Carolina. No disrespect here, but I feel like the Conway Regional is kind of boring. Coastal Carolina, Duke, UNC Wilmington, and Ryder. Am I wrong about that? You're not wrong. Um, <laughs> I would okay. say I'm actually going to pick – so I, I like Coastal, but I, I think my runner-up would be UNC Wilmington. I think UNC Wilmington uh, actually has a pretty solid rotation, like Jacob Schaefer's a really talented arm. Uh, offensively, Jack Kroom and, uh, you know, Tanner Thatch are two really good, you know, you know, power hitters and consistent hitters. Uh, you keep it on YouTube, Wilmington, but I'm leaning Sox here a little bit. Not a boring regional here in Coral Gables. Miami, Texas, the Ragin' Cajuns of Louisiana, and Maine. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. You know, Louisiana is really, really interesting in the sense that, you know, again, they've got a lot of kids who, uh, played in a regional last year, uh, you know, Heath Hood, Julian Brock, Kyle Barge, uh, Texas, you know, LeBaron Johnson has pitched really well for them. Uh, I, I lean Miami at home. I just don't think either of those two teams have the depth that, that to, to beat Miami and Coral Gables. But, uh, you know, the weather's probably going to play a part, as it usually does there. Uh, you're going to have a lot of rain delays, so the teams that can overcome those rain delays will be the team that can win that regional. Yeah, we certainly saw that a year ago. What about in Fayetteville? Arkansas, TCU, Arizona, Santa Clara. This is a fun one, at least from a name-brand standpoint. Yeah, I like Arkansas on this one. I mean, TCU, for me, is a really interesting one, uh, just because I saw them last week in Dallas, and they were fantastic. Elijah Nunez and Braden Taylor were really good. Uh, but it's hard to go get the Hogs at home. I mean, they're, they're, they're just a machine there. Uh, I would say, if you're watching Regional this weekend, Tune in for, for Chase Davis of Arizona. Uh, if you haven't seen that dude hit home runs, uh, everything he hits is pretty much like 430 feet. Uh, so keep an eye on Chase Davis. He's a really good one. Down in Gainesville, you got Florida, who I think is just a really, really good team. Hard to find a weakness there. UConn is the two seed. That's a dangerous two seed. Texas Tech, the three. And then Florida A&M, the four. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think when you look at that regional as a whole, Texas Tech isn't isn't quite as good as they have been. Um, you know, I think when you look at those guys from a pitching standpoint, uh, they leave a little bit to be desired. And, uh, you know, UConn is a club that, you know, last year, again, we, we talk about, you know, teams that have, you know, been in those situations before, and UConn is a club that last year uh, was left on the field in a super. Frankly, they had a really good shot. I mean, if you remember, they won yeah. the first game at Stanford, and then lost the last two. I think the second one in heartbreaking fashion. But uh, you know, I think when you um, when you look at those guys, I think they're dangerous. And you know, uh, obviously Florida. Florida is not to spoil it, but Florida is my national championship pick. I, I just love their vibe. Uh, you know, they're a hard nosed team. They're they're cocky, but I don't feel like they're Tennessee like. Um, they're hard nosed, which is kind of interesting because typically the you know the, the stigma on Florida is a bunch of show you know showcase ponies. But they're hard nosed, and I think they've got a really good, you know, really good bullpen. Uh, so I like Florida. We're running a little short on time. I'm going to skip around on a, on a couple of these as we were just sure. walking through them. Let's go to Tuscaloosa. I'm intrigued by that because that's where I'm going to be. Alabama, Boston College, Mike Gambino's club, uh, Troy, and Nichols in Tuscaloosa. Does Alabama stay hot? I think they do. By, by the way, the uh, the, the accent uh, competition between you and the Boston College guys ought to be interesting, but. Uh, you, you and Mike Gambino, I need a, I need like a video of you two talking to each other. Um, you know, if you if you haven't talked to him, his accent's extremely Boston. 
It's very uh, Boston. But, I had them a couple of years ago when they were in Oxford, and uh, man, that they play a fun style. You you want to talk about hard nosed uh, Boston College plays? Oh man, yeah. And I will tell you what, they you know they feel like they should have hosted, and they're going to come in there ready to ready to you know, crack some bones, so to speak. And you know when you look at BC, uh, Joe Petrano is kind of the guy that makes them go. If you look back earlier this year, when you look back earlier this year when they played Tennessee. He was the guy that had a big time performance. Circle him, but I, but I really like Bama's club, and I think they're dangerous against Wake Forest uh, potentially in a Super Two. I just think when you look at those guys on the mound, I think they've got three solid weekend starters uh, offensively. Andrew Pinkney is the guy that just makes them go. Uh, I love Andrew Pinkney; just a physical presence. He seems like a really fun kid. Uh, you know, that, that's a, the thing I like about Alabama. They're a really, really easy team to like, and given all they've gone through. Uh, it, it makes them a cool story. So I like Alabama to win that thing. Hey, can Texas A&M win the Stanford Regional with the way they pitched it they last can. week? And, well, so the question is, and you know, like you and I have talked about this plenty of times, the question is can they finally put together consistency? I mean, if you think back, I mean, remember, remember A&M wins the Florida region or the Florida series at home, and you're thinking, oh, here they come. And, the, you know, and I think a week later I think I called them like my sleeper. But then all of a sudden, Alabama puts up a 23 spot on them in two games and beats them in a series in college station. So I guess my question with the Aggies would be, hey, you played really well in Hoover. Like, can you actually do it two straight weeks? Because they really have not done that this year. Uh, They've got the strangest resume of anybody. They've won six SEC series, and I feel like it's been like good series, terrible series, good series, terrible series. So we'll see which team shows up this weekend. Uh, The good thing for A&M is Stanford is very SEC-like. And uh, I think that actually helped them a little bit. And, by the way, it will not be 105 degrees in Stanford. It will be like 70 all weekend. So uh, the, the Aggies should be jacked up about that one. All right, last thing for you. The way the bracket sets up, you have the potential. It's unlikely, but the potential for seven SEC teams in the College World Series. How many, yeah. think, how many do you think actually get there? I've got four. I've got, I've got four SEC teams uh, getting to Omaha. And, by the way, uh, I've got Southern Miss getting to Omaha. So Ooh. there you go. How about that? Great Scott stuff, Barry, Scott Barry just going to ride up in the sunset from Omaha. Well, and and he sir, if anybody deserves it, he does. No question about no that. No question. Kendall, thanks so much for your time. Great catching up, and uh, maybe we'll Good talk, talk one or two more times before it's all done. Yes, sir. Thank you. Bye. Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Anything stand out for you guys? Uh, I know y'all are a little checked out, a little more checked out on college baseball than than I am. Maybe a, a little more checked little out. Said. I, I will watch Southern Miss play okay. this weekend. You got to tune in Saturday night if you get Alabama Boston College. That could be fun. You know, I'll, I'll check out a few minutes just to hear your commentary. Did you say I have to? Not like I'm saying like. I think, I, but I'm not watching it. for the baseball. I'm just watching to hear my my friend Richard, and I, I you know, hopefully you have a good home run call or something. You know? Yeah. Well, thanks. We'll see. But 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 the, but the USM thing, obviously, you know, that's interesting here in the state. I tend to agree with 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 Kendall that I think USM can get out of that regional. I don't agree with him that about Tanner Hall, but it's so close. It really is fifty one forty nine for me on that. Yeah. But I think they can win that regional. And maybe the flip side is we're just kind of selling short the rest of the pitching staff. I mean, maybe it's you got a guy that you feel great about in game one, go out and win game one, and you feel good about the rest of your staff. 
and being able to beat Auburn with number two or some combination therein. So we'll, we'll see. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We will get back to the countdown, 100 teams in 100 days. Got an ACC team today when we come back. Mississippi. Hey, it's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. Find them online at mtradepark.com. They've got great events that are happening throughout the summer, and uh, there's a lot of big stuff. This weekend, June 2nd, it's the Mississippi Global State Championship. 94 teams registered for that event. It's a U-Triple-S-A event next weekend. June 9th, U-Triple-S-A Baseball, the GOAT Global, 72 teams signed up and still room for more. So if you're involved in the scheduling of your son or daughter's baseball or softball or soccer team, for that matter, be sure you check out the schedule at mtradepark.com. If you're in the Oxford area and you've never seen the facility, it really is worth driving out. 14 fields, all turf infields, natural grass outfields, They've updated the concession areas. There's now a team store that's available well. The uh, the playing surfaces are just absolutely immaculate. You've got a little more shade that they've put in there. If you drive by on a busy weekend and you don't know what's going on, you look out there, you're like, oh, are they like having the, the state fair? Is it a carnival? What What's going on out there? Then you realize it's a bunch of ball fields and it's packed every single weekend. If you're going to play, play M-Trade. Let us uh, let us continue with the college football countdown. 100 teams in 100 days. Nice save. Thank you. This day is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. Team number 94, and we are current on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days, the NC State Wolfpack. Really? Yep. That's their fight song. Going to assume it's as the Wolfpack goes marching along. Yeah, you you would think. They uh, over, call Hill, it Overdale. NC State fight song. So they worked really hard on naming it. Yeah, well, <laughs> NC State went 8-5 and five last year. They were 4-4 four and four in the conference, and they had a really good quarterback last year. His name was Devin Leary. He is now expected to be the starting quarterback for the Kentucky Wildcats. Now, if you look at the 2023 schedule for NC State, you will find that it's not an easy one. They open the year at UConn, and then they uh, they get Notre Dame at home in week two of the season. Are we going to go back to the quarterback thing? Because yeah. there, there's a nugget there. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go back to the quarterback thing in just a second. And I just, I just think there's some interesting things on this schedule. And let's just pause for a second. If you've not spent any time in Raleigh, North Carolina, it's one of those exploding cities. So, so people talk about Nashville and the growth of Nashville, Austin, Texas, Greenville, South Carolina, Charlotte. All right, so those are kind of like the big headline grabbers in terms of cities that are growing. Raleigh is in the same boat. Like, major international airport that feels like it's just brand spanking new when you walk through it. That's that's the hub of the research triangle there in that kind of tobacco road area. It's the biggest city. It, it, you know, you got Chapel Hill and you got Durham, but Raleigh is the hub of that. There's a ton of interest there. NC State is a growing school, and they got good facilities, passionate fan base. But I feel like because of the brands that North Carolina and Duke are, they they kind of play third fiddle. Now, in, in football, it's second, but certainly in basketball, it's third. But when you just think about the brands themselves, NC State's the, the third brand among those three mm-hmm. in three schools that are separated by kind of 30 miles in any direction you go. They'll make a nice addition to the SEC when that day comes. I, I, I would agree with that. I, I, I really would. And Raleigh's Looking not, to it. it's not going to feel like your small college town, like we've got the small college towns mm-hmm. here. No, it feels more like Knoxville and Lexington, but bigger. Yeah, and but you're not going to be like, oh my gosh, we're playing NC State this year. we got to go to Raleigh, but when you do end up making that trip, you're going to have a good time. It's just a very nice place to visit, very pleasant place to go. I guess the point I was making in talking about what Raleigh is as a city, NC State fans are passionate. That is a passionate fan base, and it's a bigger fan base than you realize. And they got Notre Dame coming into their place in week two. That'll be a great scene. Now it's an 11 a.m. kickoff. So again, 11 a.m. Oh, there. This, yeah, noon, noon Eastern on ABC. I think that's one that you would prefer to have under the lights, but that's what they get. And then VMI, and then they go to Virginia, and they got Louisville at home. They got Marshall at home. They go to Duke. Clemson is at their place. Miami is at their place. North Carolina. It's a really good home schedule this year for NC State. It's hard, but it's good. Their home games are Notre Dame, Louisville, Marshall, Clemson, Miami, and North Carolina. Worth the price of admission, I think. No doubt. No doubt. That's a good slate. That's a good slate, yeah. So, Borky, you wanted to go, to go back to the quarterbacks. Yeah, so they lose Devin Leary. Did you see who they replaced him with? Who you got? It's a name you might be familiar with, Brennan Armstrong. Yeah, he was at Virginia. Virginia. Uh, they fired Bronco Mendenhall, or he left. I don't remember exactly how that ended, but Bronco Mendenhall out, and Armstrong was great, like really great. His numbers are awesome in our, um, Mendenhall's final year. And then Virginia hired Tony Elliott. And he stunk a year ago. Mm-hmm. So you know that, and Virginia was awful. Uh, God bless him. And then they had the tragedy at the end of the season. Going into that, they were a very bad football team. Which Brendan Armstrong are they going to get? Is it going to be the guy that flourished under Bronco Mendenhall and put up great numbers? Or is it going to be the guy that stunk in 2022? It's interesting. The quarterback mm-hmm. movement... You know, via transfer portals, kind of fun sometimes, and this is one of those things. Dave Doran 
has been the head coach at NC State for since 2013. So he had the two-year run at Northern Illinois where they went 23-4, and four, and he parlayed that into an ACC job. Thought he was getting the Ole Miss job. He didn't. Oh, and, he did. Uh, say what? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh he, yeah. he got it. Well, yeah, we, he, since 2017 with a short stop in Oxford and then turned back around. Oh, he got that job until Chancellor Gumballs decided no, he didn't. So here's the thing. Dave Dorn has been remarkably consistent at <laughs> NC State. They were 3-9. Every time I hear Chancellor Gumballs. They were 3-9 and nine in his first year, and in 2019 they slipped and they went 4-8. and eight. Outside of that, they've won 8 7 7 9 9 8 9 8 now, Sound like Jenny's phone number, good Lord. That's a record that will cause a lot of fans to say it's time to move on. But that's also a record where you go, you're kind of in it and you're fun and you're respectable every single year. And so it's like, which do you want? Do, do, you, do you make a change somewhere along the way and say, it's too safe, we want to take the next step, or do you go, you know, we're pretty happy living in the 7, 8, 9 win range on a year-in, year-out basis and going to a bowl game almost every year. The only two bowl games that he's missed were those two that I mentioned a second ago, 2013-2019. Aside from that, it's been St. Petersburg Bowl, Belt Bowl, Independence, Sun, Gator, Gator, Holiday, Dukes, Mayo. It's just a just a solid program, not a great program, not a program that scares you to death if they're on your schedule. So Mississippi State play NC State just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. They're they're just solid. He's Kirk Ferentz, but the product is more aesthetically pleasing, and he hasn't had the the couple super highs of like winning the conference. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. consistently never bad, never great. But again, the the, the offense is more aesthetically pleasing. I would agree yeah. with that. I assume, I assume they're in the same division as Clemson, so that's probably the, the issue there. You know, Iowa being not in the division with Ohio State, Michigan, can yeah. get to the championship game every year or other year. And they've got one. They've got two second place finishes in the Atlantic Division. So, all right, hey, Dad. Yeah, most famous alums from NC State. Some of these, I checked their Wikipedia pages. They don't even mention NC State. It, it says Jada Pinkett Smith. I, I, she didn't go to NC State, as far as I can tell. Uh, same with Anthony Mackey, who I would have, I would have just guessed went to LSU, being as well, big Louisiana guy he is. Zach Galifianakis listed on here. Okay. Uh, Danny McBride. A lot of a lot of comedy actors. Chris Parnell, Judge Reinhold. Danny McBride's. They, a great they got one. a lot of options. Yeah, it's fantastic. Did you like that when NC State was on Mississippi State's schedule, or did it just kind of feel like, eh? No, that, 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 I thought that was an interesting game. I, you know, I hate that that Coven wiped out the trip to Raleigh. I was planning on making that one, um, and of course, you got the, the return game here in Starkville. And I mean, if you look back at the 2021 season, that was State's best win. Yeah, it was. Devin Leary was nine up last year. He only threw for 1,265 yards. Yeah, you know, earlier in his career, just incredible. Just couldn't stay healthy last year. Jordan Houston led them in rushing. He is 
I think, back for a fifth season this year, so they got some experience there. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We're back after this. Talk Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Quick point of order for Lucas and Union. Got him a, a response on the uh, on the text line. He said, "I can't believe you guys didn't have Mario Williams or Philip Rivers as notable alumni of NC State." Yeah, that's that's the point, though. We uh, we try to steer clear of athletes. Everybody's got famous athletes that went to their school. Yeah, Could have had fun. David Thompson ahead of uh, Mario Williams. Yeah. yeah. You know, if NC State had, because some colleges do this, right? Where uh, if you're the child of an alum, uh, you'll get special scholarships, or if you live out of the state, you'll get in-state tuition. That's going to be costly for NC State if all of Phil, if all of Philip Rivers' kids go there. <laughs> <laughs> Why is our why are we, you know, four million dollars under budget this year? Well, Philip Rivers, all his kids are here now. They gotta construct mm. their own dorm for all of those little rivers. Rivers Hall. Do you see that Al Pacino's expecting? Eighty two years young. Who ya? Who ya? Who expecting, or he is? Oh well, you, you know what I mean. Well, that'd be much well, more of a I story mean, if it was. I him. feel like, from a clarification uh, standpoint, in the times in which we are living, so, that yeah, you need to be Al, more specific. Al Pacino's uh, girlfriend, who is younger than me, is expecting a child, and she, as I, I think, if I have the name correct, is an ex of Mick Jagger. So <laughs> wow. I did, I th- and I think De Niro just had a kid, too. De Niro just had so, one as well. She's more just, appropriately yeah. aged. <laughs> so do you think she's just attracted to older guys, like, period? I, or do you think she's attracted older, to... Older, famous, rich guys, yes. Okay, yeah, it was the other two things that I was curious about. But, but she's good-looking. I, I was talking to a friend about this. I thought, you know, I love Pacino. Like, everybody loves Pacino. But you're good-looking enough to where you could find a guy half his age that's still loaded... I don't know. She's out of DiCaprio's range. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, two things we we mentioned this in passing yesterday. You you guys saw the news about Kentucky and their ability to host a regional and hotels. They, they have that they are offering at 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 a charge at a rate of I think ninety two dollars per person dorm rooms for the visiting teams that are coming in for the Lexington Regional. Because there's like some country palooza thing that's happening in Lexington and some state championship events that are happening in Lexington. I thought part of the bid process was you had to reserve a certain number of hotel rooms. Did, did that go out the window somewhere along the way? Apparently so, because that is that definitely at one time was a, a requirement. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Kentucky just didn't think that they were going to be in this position. Uh, one other SEC nugget. Perhaps you guys saw this earlier today from the Vandy Boys Twitter account. I know you kind of are predisposed to hate all things Vanderbilt because of that moron Whistler. Just, just say the Vanderbilt baseball account. Don't don't say Vandy Boys. But it's what that's what the account is. I, I, I don't care. I don't care. Just Did you me. see the renderings for their uh, edition? 
renovation to Hawkins Field? No? On the they, they boys? looked fantastic, actually. For the space I, I that saw they, that they have, were tweeted out. I didn't is, take a look at them. They have no space. So for the space that they have, it looks as good as they could do. So they've created a second level or, or an upper deck. But let's be careful about calling it an upper deck. Because normally you think of upper deck and it's like, oh, there are a bunch of seats up there. And it's really only like two or three seats deep in this upper deck, but it goes foul pole to foul pole. Well, I don't know that it wraps all the way to the third uh, to the left field foul pole, but from the right field foul pole all the way around behind home plate and then down past the third base dugout, it extends around the outfield wall. You're going to have the ability to go 360 degrees in terms of walking around the field on both the upper level and the lower level and still be able to see the field the entire time. They're adding some skyboxes. They're dressing up the uh, the entrance to the stadium down at the corner of Perry Wallace Boulevard and whatever the other street is that runs behind the, the first base stands. And and that street behind the first base stands is going away. Like they're they're turning that into green space and athletics facilities. Man, the, they have some They've got land restrictions. Not like they can't build, like they don't have space to do anything else. But Borky, I think you said it well. Considering the space that they have, this looks really cool to me. Yeah. Like really cool. I like the um, left field. They got that little indenture into the field. And it's like a very poor man's green monster with some curve. Mm-hmm. Putting seats on top of it, or like a club area, covered club area on top of that. I love that. Like like a party deck with food and a bar behind the yeah. seats. And I don't know, a couple hundred seats up there above the monster in left field. They are extending the outfield seats basically all the way around. I, it's, it's a cool-looking baseball stadium in the heart of downtown Nashville on West End. Kudos to Vanderbilt. They, they've been they've been big. To, they have finally embraced quality over size. Yes, like they're making the football stadium smaller. The the, the football stadium is going to be not. They have. I, th- I think Mike sent us a picture yesterday. They've completely ripped out both end zones. Have you seen the renderings? That's going to end up looking very nice too. Yeah, the football stadium is going to be good. It's going to be good. Vanderbilt's onto something. Candace Story Lee's doing a, a good job there. We'll be back five o'clock hours. Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Visit PearlRiverResort.com. Be sure to click on the events tab and see about the live events. Got the comedy tour going this summer. Jeff Foxworthy coming up this weekend. Fluffy Iglesias in July. You can buy your tickets online at PearlRiverResort.com. 
Com. Ceasefire text line is where you can be in touch with us, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. It's backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in Ceasefire country. For more information, go online to ceasefire.com slash business. That's ceasefire.com slash business. Sports Talk is brought to you in part by Genteel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Their spring collection is out. I guess it's kind of turning into the summer collection as things warm up a little bit. Uh, I talked with Blake earlier today, and, uh, man, they are growing like crazy. They've got a uh, they've got an event that's happening in a uh, really, really cool mountain town, Um Golf course out uh, in the Rockies that invited them to come out and do a trunk show. Uh, they are a southeast brand that is just growing its footprint like crazy. They had a wildly successful uh, PGA show back in, I think, is that January when that happens, Borky? The big PGA trade show in Orlando? I don't I think know. It's, I think it's January when that happens and really kind of exposed. It's the first time that they had been to that brand, to, uh, to that particular event. And the response has been just incredible. It's a Mississippi company, and uh, you can wear their stuff. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com or at Steve's on the Square in Philadelphia, the Country Gentleman in Greenville, Chandelure Outfitters in Ocean Springs, Kincaid's Fine Clothing in Ridgeland, or Reed's in Starkville. All of those places carry Genteel or, of course, genteelapparel.com. Let's do it. A little college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Wherever you are in the state of Mississippi, you've got a Ford dealer close by. Stop by, make friends, and get a truck or an SUV or a car, whatever it is that you're looking for. You can start your search online at buyfordnow.com and then visit your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. All right, we really haven't dived into the Ross Dellinger story. And there is so much there. I'm so excited about this because it validates a theory I've had for working on three years now. And it's only been based on anecdotal evidence and also kind of one plus two equals three. But this is the first time where I've really believed that there's actual momentum that would prove my theory correct. Hey, Dad, you know we're in for it when on the uh, the rundown, the first sentence today from Michael Borky to us is, My brothers, I've theorized many times that the SEC is posturing to break away in football, and now, thanks to great reporting from Ross Dellinger, <laughs> I have more ammo for my theory. That and the, and the fact that the rundown, the first page and a half, is this story. In fairness to me, yeah. I uh, bold and underlined the important stuff out of an otherwise very long story. I mean, it if I did the rundown after WrestleMania, it would look like that for me. So it's no big deal. I understand. Yeah. Hey, Sports Illustrated online, SI.com, if you want to read it for yourself, you, you, you should. Uh, in fact, I would encourage you to read Ross's story from a couple of days ago and, and read this one as well. They, they kind of dovetail nicely together. So let, let's start here. And then we'll get to what Borky's talking about. We have seen Greg Sankey and athletics directors and other representatives from member schools visit Washington, D.C. Um, and 
Yeah, Keith Carter was one of those. What was it? I only I think it was two summers ago. I think so. And and Roger Wicker has been um involved sure. in all of these basically. Right. Right. And and so Keith testified on Capitol Hill, Greg Sankey has testified multiple times, I think, on Capitol Hill. There has been um a lot of back and forth between DC and college football. And and you're continuing to hear coaches talk about we need a national standard because this mismatch mishmash of state laws just isn't working. And and you've got states that are using their legislatures to try and give them a leg up on the football front. And legislatures who are legislators who are more than happy to do that. Um and so it's a mess, and the SEC is getting ready to send another large delegation to D.C. But it almost feels like kind of a last uh, last gasp, a, a last hurrah. Yeah, last hurrah, Custer's last stand, whatever. And going and trying to impress the importance upon Congress to pass some national legislation. There have been 12 different bills, 12 different NIL bills that have been introduced by congressional leaders in Washington. Not one of them has made it to the floor of those hallowed halls. Nothing's gotten out of committee. And then you know if they are so lucky to get one out of committee, what would happen when it hits the floor? You already know. I mean, it's it's just not going to go anywhere. It's just not. And I understand why Greg Sankey and athletics directors, not just from the SEC, from all over the country, are going, we, we, we really need some help on this. So plan A still is to make a last-ditch effort and try to get Congress to act, try to get Congress to help, to get something done on the NIL front. And what they want Congress to get done is threefold, right? They want a cap on NIL. They want student-athletes to be classified as students, not employees. And I don't remember what the third thing is. There's a third thing in there. but They want you can... to be protected from litigation. Oh, yeah, that's right. Cap what we have to pay. Cap what we can pay. Make them students, not employees, to protect us from the IRS, and make us bulletproof in lawsuits. Could you do that for us? Could you? Uh, Would you? No. Yeah, no is the answer. So, what is plan B for the SEC? And that's where this story really picks up and takes off, Borky. So, So what stood out for you? Uh, so much. Uh, they... So... I'll just start with some of the lines that uh, I've underlined. One, here's a quote from Greg Sankey. We have uh, so Greg Sankey believes that he can get the 12 states in the SEC footprint to band together and make something universal among those 12 states. Now that's probably an ambitious endeavor, but it's more likely than getting Congress to do it, where you can get the states in the SEC footprint to do it if it's uniform. Uh, but that's the first thing, is that he he thinks that he can do that. He can get that done. Might be a little ambitious, 
But that's point number one in, in many points here. Yeah. Maybe ambitious. But you got to try, right? You got to try. And then the, the next thing, so we'll see if you can get that done. But here's what stands out to me. It's the quotes and who they're from. For example, here's Tennessee's AD Danny White. We are the least regulated sport in the world. We have tons of students on this campus at Tennessee who are employees of the university, and we probably have student-athletes that are in other ways. I don't understand why you couldn't be a student and an employee. There are ways to figure those things out. Um, he's not the only one. The president of Georgia is quoted in this story, and actually Mark Keenum's quoted in this story, and his is interesting, I think. He's a little bit different than these others. But there's a common theme. We can figure it out. There's a way. We can do it. There's no reason we can't do it. And all of this, that's the common theme here. And then there's another thing that is not in Ross's story. And Nick Saban's given it to you a little bit. And you're seeing some other things, other people that are starting to say this. And they're saying, I heard Mac Brown say it today. I've got to find the interview. Uh, Mac Brown was on with Rick Neuheisel and uh, and Chris Childers today, and it was the most honest and refreshing kind of account of where we are in college football. And I was like, there's some wisdom there from that guy who's been in coaching for 35 years. And I think he's going to get his wish. And he eventually. says... And and he and Nick Saban and others have said we're we're moving toward a professional model. Just, just quit kicking the can down the road. Just do it. Just do it, and let's move forward. Because I think all the coaches realize, even at a place like Alabama, the system right now is a mess. It's your college football fix. We'll be right back. Real sports talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. We're back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon. You can join us on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from ceasefire business. So... When you see Greg Sankey say the league expects to align its 12-state NIL laws in an effort to hand power to the conference office to oversee police and even set policy for NIL, and his quote is, we have enough trust and confidence from our state leaders that we can govern ourselves if that needs to be done. 
there, there's your line. There's is your he line. Talk, but, but, but hold on now. Is he talking about govern ourselves within the NIL space or take our ball and go home, we'll go create our own league? Both. I, I, it's but, layered, but, right? It's... Well, and, and here's the thing that stands out to me about, like, we're going to govern ourselves within the NIL space. You, you can't do something for your soon-to-be 16 schools that would handicap the SEC against the rest of college football. That's right. So what do you do instead? Would that be the greatest coalition of all time formed if Greg Sankey, in conjunction with university leaders, gets politicians from South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, Arkansas, Texas, Missouri, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, and Florida to all agree to something and work in conjunction and in lockstep? It would be shocking. It'd be tough. I mean, you think about Texas. I mean, not everybody there is a Texas and Texas A&M alum. They're not do anything to help those schools. Yeah, but the people not that everybody... matter in, in, in politics are. I mean, I, I get that, but, you know, there's enough of a block here and there to, to make think, differences. I don't expect that Florida, to I mean, Florida, Miami and Florida State would, would definitely work against Florida. So what do they do? Well, well, here, but to me, here's the larger question. If the SEC says, this is what we're going to do, do other leagues follow? Does the ACC say, well, the SEC came up with a solution, and they got, what is it, nine states to kind of come together? We're going we're gonna to play by those rules, too. Because the ACC has the same issue that, that people in the SEC have. Yeah. And does the Big Ten go, you know, we really hate to admit that the SEC got it right, but we needed somebody to jump out there and do this. Let, let, let's kind of agree to do what they're doing. And after that, I mean, maybe it would make sense with the Big 12. You don't give a rip what the Pac-12 thinks. No. They may not even be a league in two years, but I guarantee you you're not worried about what the legislators in California and Oregon and Washington State in particular think about how you're handling that. Let them debate whatever the heck they want to debate in the State House of California. Let the the, the Oregon Politico wackos figure out what they whatever they want to figure out. And then y'all just go play amongst yourselves. Like we we we've got the group that has agreed to the rules that we're going to play by. And you're welcome to join or not, but that's that's on you. We we don't need you. Yeah. Isn't it deeper than that though? Because I don't believe their frustrations are just with NIL. I think that's a very convenient and, and a big deal, don't get me wrong, but I think it's deeper than that. They've sat back and watched in action at every level. And I go back to when I started thinking this way, which was during COVID. If not for the SEC, 
if not for Greg Sankey in particular, college football doesn't happen in 2020. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't happen. On that, we all agree. And so... Even hey, Dad. Now they saw that. 100%. Greg Sankey saw that, and other leagues saw that, and realized we can do it better. And now portal thing happened, and it's been handled terribly. I'm sorry. And I just saw on the ceasefire text line. I saw that, that too earlier. Hey. Oh. Uh, we can't read it, but we saw it, and it's funny. You um, can read that. You can get away with it. Yeah, yeah, it's, just, it said that they, they did that once. It was called the Confederacy. And yeah. that obviously crashed and burned. But uh, this would not, because the SEC is the, it's the power. And Dabo Sweeney's quoted in this, and I actually like this from Dabo. He said, we need to blow it all up and have a new governance structure. We need a governance structure that's, uh, governance structure that's reflective of real-time issues. Uh, and according to Ross, many have suggested that the college football playoff serves as that new association. As you guys know, the college football playoff is not the NCAA. Division One college football's champion is determined by not the NCAA. It's a separate group. Mm-hmm. Mark Keenum was quoted in this to bring it back to Mississippi and said, it's not a governing body, it's an event organization. You Ooh. could create another NCAA. How do you do that and get all the other members to come to the table? You won't get all the current members to come to the table. Is there a breakaway? You're posing something that could happen, but I don't know realistically anytime soon. Here's Here, though, Dr. Keenum, a guy that's far more intelligent and successful than I'll ever be, why I think... You're wrong. Because COVID happened, and the SEC took the lead, and everybody else followed, if the SEC took the lead on this, everybody else would follow. And if not, everybody comes to the table, okay, you don't need them. Do you really need Cal to sit at your table if you're major college football? No. But if the SEC decided, you know what, I've had enough. This is out of control. The NCAA's done nothing. There's no regulation. There's no cap. When people compare it to the NFL, they're wrong because the NFL has regulations and rules and caps. And we think what's best for college football is to have those things to the degree that we can have them. And we think we can do it better. We think we can handle it better. We think we can measure it and enforce the rules better. And we can do all this better. And so we're going to. Everybody else would follow. Everybody that matters would follow. The Big Ten would follow. The ACC would follow. The Big 12 would follow. The Sun Belt would follow in a heartbeat. All did you, you have the to entire do is quote do it. from Mark Keenum? I did. All, all the way through the... Okay. I mean... And that's a lot to ask. But, yeah, but 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 when he says you won't get, I mean, to me, this is the part of the quote that stands out. When he says you won't get all the current members to come to the table, is there a breakaway? Mark Keenum is not the guy. He's not. He is not the type leader. Hey, Dad, I think you would agree with this. Who just floats? Um. He doesn't just very toss, measured. Yeah, he doesn't toss a bottle rocket into a crowded room just to see what will happen. Yeah, he and I are different. Yeah, I agree with that. You, you, do, and Greg Sankey's the same way. 
you exactly. got to do some you, you got to do some educated listening and some reading between the lines with some of these smart high level leaders. And if you do, and they if tend you're to able ask to do questions that, they they tend to ask questions they already know the answers to. Yeah, or or if they throw something out there like that, it's to promote discussion and it sometimes as a, a warning shot. Borky, I thought this was was really fascinating um, and, and good writing by Ross Bjork, or Ross Dellinger, not Ross Bjork. How dare you on the man's birthday? Even gosh. So, Greg Sankey, with that quote, we have enough trust and confidence from our state leaders that we can govern ourselves if that needs to be done. Ross writes in a tiff of irony. The SEC's backup plan is to put trust in state lawmakers who, through a bevy of recent state laws, have splintered the conference. And there is frustration among collectives, administrators, coaches, etc., about these new laws. And that's what prompted Nick Saban yesterday to say, unionize it, make it like the NFL. If it's going to be the same for everyone, I think that's better than what we have now. Enter your wild, wild west cliche if you would like. That's how life goes. Be sure to check out In a Mississippi, In a Mississippi Minute Mississippi with me, Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk Mississippi app, and now available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You wanted to talk some real football. We started the show with that, kind of, with TV times. Yeah, that's real how about football. The, how about some championship odds? Love it. that do anything for you? Sure. Borky, let's walk, okay. walk us through the SEC championship odds. Take a guess. Drum roll, please. Who's the favorite to win the SEC this year? Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Wait. Hey, Vanderbilt's going to win two SEC games again this season and hit the over. I'm telling you. That's a, that's a bowl team. Georgia is H- the... Hunker down, you hairy dog. Georgia's the heavy, heavy favorite. They're the only minus odds at minus 110 for Georgia to win the Southeastern Conference this season. So, like a lot of people... Fair enough. I do believe that Alabama has some question marks. I don't even think that's debatable. But everybody picking against Nick Saban, is that the um is, the, is that a, a fruitful activity? You were correct it's the dangerous. last two years. Well, that's yeah. not true. They did win the SEC oh, two yeah. years ago. But I mean, they played for a national title. Yeah. Uh, but it's Bama's, dangerous, yeah. Bama's plus 240. There's some value there. 
There's a lot of value in number three, honestly. So Alabama's second at plus 240. LSU is plus 450, the winner of the SEC West a year ago. Well, you guys are going to laugh at me, but I'm going to tell you where I think the value is. I think it's at number four. No, I think it's at Texas A&M plus 1,200. (laughs) I am going to laugh at you. What a moron. <laughs> I, no, he, well, so here's the rationale. Oh my! Oh, to quote Richard, "Oh me." <laughs> exactly, exactly. So the rationale behind that is <laughs> is that roster almost to the point where they win in spite of Jimbo. I don't think any college football team can win in spite of its head coach. Because at the end of the day, he's making too many decisions. I mean, look, Jimbo running the show right now, his offensive play calling has been as messed up as an upside-down tackle box. I mean, it's just a disaster. And for the for the, the sheer spectacle of it, and for the sheer ability to continue to laugh at those guys from Texas for making fun of the... Trash programs in Mississippi. No, no, no. I'll ne- Trash I'll never, programs, bro. Bro. I'll never be. Like, all I can hope for is disaster after disaster at Texas A&M. Fact is, it's a really talented roster, and they figured out the quarterback thing. Now, is Connor Wegman Jameis Winston in college? I mean, I don't know that he's... I don't know that he's anything. He had a... Good, but not great freshman season. He's okay. I didn't see. I mean, I think he's going to be all right, but I didn't see anything to make me make me think this is a guy who can go out there and win the conference. Now they made a huge mistake by holding him until like week eight to put him in as a starter. I, I definitely agree, but but I just, I mean, I just didn't see enough to make me think. Yeah, he's just going to come right in and. Well, you so you didn't see flashes from him where you were like, oh, oh, flashes. Yeah, but but no, in that offense, it's too dysfunctional. Because I don't buy into Petrino having control. That's the question. That to me is the question. So if I'm laying twelve hundred, getting plus twelve hundred odds on A and M winning the SEC, which means I'm betting a hundred dollars to win twelve hundred, I go okay. I see some value there. The only way I see that value is if I believe that there is not a nuclear meltdown between Fisher and Petrino. If Jimbo will just sit down and shut up and just like wear a headset and like oversee things and let Bobby Petrino run that offense and develop Connor Wegman and take advantage of the weapons they've got, then that's a little scary for the rest of the SEC. But that's a massive question, isn't it? And I know we went back to the spring where like Jimbo couldn't even fully admit that he was going to let Bobby Petrino call plays, and he's tried to kind of walk that back a little bit. I I don't know. My guess is that history tells us that Jimbo Fisher is not going to be hands-off and that we got a chance to have it, at the very least, a behind-the-scenes meltdown, but one that could leak into the public. And oh, how glorious it would be if it did. But that that would be the reason that I might take a flyer on A&M at plus 1,200. 
If you're going to take that flyer, go to the next one. Tennessee at plus 1,400. That's a flyer. That's a better. That's better. That means you believe in Joe Milton the third, right? Uh, not necessarily yeah. believe in Joe Milton, but for those odds, I can talk myself. You know what I mean? It's like if I had a hundred dollars and it was my last hundred, I'm putting it on Georgia because I believe that's going to be the winner. But if I've got a hundred dollars to spend, if it's burning a hole in my pocket, then the value, the ROI on Tennessee is worth it. Yeah. It's going to be an offense that plays fast, and if they are efficient while playing fast, they are really, really hard to stop. They get Georgia in Knoxville next to last game of the regular season. Rosters continue to get better. Do you have to go to Alabama? Got to go to T-Town. Who's their other West game? I know it's not LSU, it's not State, it's not Auburn. It's not Ole Miss. It's not Ole Miss. It's not, it's, it's not L- LSU was last year. It must be a It's either A&M or Arkansas. Tennessee is hosting Texas A&M coming off of their bye. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. There you go. Dub. The, the, the odds get really long after Tennessee at plus 1,400. Yeah, as they should. Auburn plus 4,000. Ole Miss plus 4,000. <laughs> it's kind of adorable that Auburn has... Similar odds to Ole Miss, considering um, roster differences. It's, it's crazy. That's still a bad roster. They're better than they were. Auburn is not there yet. Now, look, they may smoke and mirror their ways to eight wins this year. They, they may do it. But that's not an eight-win roster going into the season. Nope. Correct. Absolutely correct. Ole Miss at plus 4,000. I mean, Ole Miss winning the league, I mean, that that means they're splitting Alabama-Georgia. I mean, it probably they, they means they're beating Alabama and losing to Georgia. Yeah, you, you, need to be, you need to be undefeated in the West. Yeah. Florida at plus 6,000. Good grief. I like Auburn at plus 4,000 better than I like Florida at plus 6,000. Gosh, Oof. almighty. I'll take and, 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 and plus 6,000 to be, win eight games. T- tell me this. Why does Florida have better odds to win the SEC than South Carolina or Arkansas or, frankly, Mississippi State? Florida. Just name. Oh, it's the Florida. name. It's just silly. Yeah, pe- people yeah. will bet. It's all, it's all about can you get suckers in to bet. And people see Florida. Oh, they used to be good. Yeah, sure. Put 100 on them. I mean, to me, Arkansas at plus 10,000 would be a much better bet than Florida at plus 6,000 because Arkansas has a proven difference-making quarterback. They don't they don't give us the odds for this, but the odds for Florida to finish dead last in the East are probably better than they should be for what they are to win the conference. I mean, if you got 10 bucks, you might as well just lay it on Vanderbilt just for why not. They're plus 70 grins and giggles. Bet, bet There's always that one guy 000. at media days who, who predicts him to win. Let's see him put his money where his mouth is. Hmm. Those are your SEC championship odds as provided by, who is that, Offshore somebody? Caesars? Whoever. Ceasefire Texas. I don't know. Are you, aren't you looking at it? 
Yes, I have the list right here. I don't have where those odds originated. I, that's why I was asking Borky. Was, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. C-Smart text line, I agree that Jimbo is awful on many levels, overpaid, et cetera, et cetera. He will never sit down and shut up, never even. Surely you all know that by now. I don't know. Okay. It's a career-defining year for Jimbo Fisher, I think. I don't know if you're coming back. You know, I guess maybe he could pull Petrino and go coach at Missouri State, but will you adapt or will you die? It's that simple. Bo in Indianola, one of Haydad's favorites. I agree, Richard. Texas A&M has a lot of good players. What would Hugh Freeze or Lane Kiffin do with that roster? They would both be better than Jimbo is with that roster. Agreed. We'll wrap it up with you next. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Exciting news. Brace yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. a month now I've been telling you about Oxford Toyota, Belk Ford Oxford Toyota. They're located on Highway 6 West in Oxford. You can find them online at belkford.net. And I've been telling you about the cars and the trucks and the SUVs and the used vehicles that they've got available, and all that's well and good. But one of the things that really stands out for Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota is the service department. Whether it's just the routine stuff that you forget about, you know, Oil changes, tire rotations, they've got that for you. They've also got a great diesel repair shop, some of the best in the business. It's one of the hardest things for a mechanic and a more specialized thing to work on. Do great work on diesel engines and whatever maintenance your vehicle needs. Something breaks, you can take it to them and they will take care of you. That's the service department at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West. If you stop by, tell them that, uh, that the guys at Sports Talk Mississippi sent you. We would appreciate that very much. And uh, you're going to find great people who will help you get to the bottom of whatever problem you have or whatever routine maintenance you need. That's at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. Tomorrow, Borky, tomorrow, uh, Southern Miss Baseball? Yeah, we'll talk a lot of Southern Miss Baseball. Looking forward to that. I mean, regional plays are – regional play – is getting started soon. We'll also, I think by tomorrow, have some finality on uh, what they're going to do in 2024. Which, by the way, there are media types that should know better that I think are kind of freaking out, Richard. I read a Pat Forty column about how the SEC needs to get out of its own way and lead and all that stuff. I'm seeing that kind of rhetoric. Do they not read the reporting of their own colleagues when this is it's just going to be for a year until they know how much more money they're going to get from ESPN and they're going to revisit this after one year? Why is everybody freaking out? I don't understand. And the flip side of that is why is college athletics always so slow to go to what they need to go to? Poor but, leadership structure? But they have to, right? You, you can't just say... We're going from a four-team playoff to a 12-team playoff. Boom, let's do it. you got to debate it and 
what's the structure and how does it look and uh, just it goes on and on and on and on and on. Cotton State's Baseball League is very affordably priced. It features outstanding facilities, great coaches, and an invaluable opportunity to compete and get reps during the summer for college players and up-and-coming junior high and high school players. Complete stats packages and results are posted nightly during the season. This year it's the 15th year with games at BNA Bank Park in June and July. That's in New Albany. The premier collegiate woodbat league in the South is Cotton State's Baseball. So the deadline to apply for college players has come and gone. If you are a rising junior high or high school player, uh, you still got a little bit of time. The application deadline is coming up on Friday. It's June 2nd, and that's to uh, get into Cotton State's baseball this summer. Check them out online at cottonstatesleague.com. That's where you submit your application. Or check out Cotton State's League on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media outlets. So there is a lot that is happening there with Cotton States League. Uh, it's just a really cool deal, and it's fun to partner with them once again this year. So, talked about kickoff times at the beginning of the show. We talked some NIL stuff. We got stuff. some from Southern Miss, by the way, if you want to get to those. The... Yes, yes, give them to me, please. Uh, 6 o'clock, uh, the Alcorn game, their season opener, will be at 6 uh, o'clock. Um, I believe that's streaming only because there's no network listed on the site that I'm looking on right now. I assume that would be streaming only. Uh, At Florida State in week two, 7.30 on the ACC network. Hope uh, you have that. Tulane game at home is 3 o'clock on ESPNU in week three. The South Alabama game in Mobile will be on the 17th of October. So I assume since that date has been... Uh, out there. Yeah, that's a Tuesday night. Tuesday night, October 17th, they will play South Alabama on ESPN2 at 6.30. That's such a big game in their season. I hate that it's on a Tuesday. And then you have the same thing happening uh, the following month, uh, November 9th, which is a Thursday. They'll be at Louisiana at 6.30 on ESPNU. Hmm. All right. So two so got, midweek games six, this year. That's six times we already have for Southern. That's half the schedule. Yeah. It's good Finish. stuff. Very good stuff. Yeah. They're both on the road, too, so lucky there uh, for you know Hattiesburg yeah. and Southern Miss fans that like to go to games. Yeah. Tuesday night's not, not easy. Do you guys but see it the It means story? your season ticket package is, is worth more. Go ahead. Did you guys see the, the story out of Wichita State? So... I guess they had an interim yeah. head coach, and he was not retained, and basically their entire roster entered the transfer portal. Wow. Like three guys that didn't put their name in the transfer portal, which opened yesterday? Is it open today? I think it opened... Tomorrow? Today's Wednesday. I think it opened Monday. I could be wrong, though. Yeah. Okay. So that's uh, that's tough. That's tough if you got to build an entire new roster. LSU basketball says, what's the big deal? We can yeah. do it. Yeah, we saw how that went also. Thanks for being <laughs> with us. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Borky and Hey Dad have you the rest of the week. Who knows? I might check in sometime if they will uh, take my call. We'll talk to you later. Good night. 
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services a Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.